Well, good morning, church. It's good to be back with you. Uh, I am so glad I see one Orlando Pirate shirt, Maurice. From year to year, we keep the cup. It's fantastic. Any Irish rugby fans in the congregation? One. Congratulations. Any Scottish fans that need a shoulder to cry on? Uh, Jim, we know you are now a springbok, so you are excluded, Jim. <laughs> Friends, we, as we, uh, ah, did you bring it, Jim? I don't think it's going to fit me, though. Friends, we, uh, just before I continue, I last Sunday worshipped at Umkamas Methodist Church. Uh, those of you that know Tony, Habgood, and Meg uh, were able to spend some time with Tony and Meg, and they send their love and their greetings to each one of you, as well as the congregation send their greetings from Umkamas. It was really awesome to spend time with them and, and reflect on some of the stories, and we chuckled as Tony uh, shared how he hated the winters in the Haifelt and having to preach bright and early how he would wear every jacket that he owned. Uh, but that's not how it is in KZN. He's been set free from owning a beanie. Um, and so I just bring those greetings to you. The sermon series, Stories We Thought We Knew, was always going to be a great sermon series. Because this kind of sermon series leads us back into Scripture to go and look at those familiar uh, biblical lessons, those biblical stories uh, that we have known for years, probably since Sunday school days. As Kylie said last week, she unpacked Daniel in the lion's den, and, and this week the focus is on Samson and Delilah, but I've got a disclaimer right up front. I focus 99.9% .9 on Samson's life because there was so much that spoke to me as I reflected on the book of Judges. And I was also wondering when I looked at the preaching plan if I was given this topic because I am the strongest and the hairiest of the ministry team uh, to be speaking about Samson. Uh, before we uh, look at our scripture reading for today, uh, I want to just offer us some context uh, to Samson's life. Samson's story begins much like the other judges' stories begin very similar to Deborah and Gideon and Jephthah before him. We are told in the book of Judges that the Israelites did things that were evil in God's sight. But Samson's story takes up most of Judges, and we are offered a broader stroke of his life, starting at the birth narrative of Samson. It's really interesting the the narrative of his life in some way parallels with that of Jesus' birth. Both stories involve an angel who appears to their mothers. An angel appeared to Samson's mother, promising a miraculous birth and a child who would be marked from birth for a special purpose. His mother committed to keeping her end of the bargain, this covenant that is made, she dedicates her child as a Nazarite, as someone who is set apart, and his long hair 
becomes the symbol of this very vow that is, is made between mother and God. But as the story goes, as Samson grows into adulthood, it seems that the special purpose for which he was born is gone and forgotten. See, Judges continues to narrate his, his fallen in love with a Philistine woman. And when his parents refuse to accept his request to marry her, he defaults into this rage that he has. And his parents are left with no choice but to allow Samson to go and marry her anyway. And so here at this wedding festival, he strikes up a bet. He strikes up a bet with some young Philistine men who were there from the city. And he says to them, if you can solve this riddle within seven days, I'll give you 30 sets of garments. And so the men find the answer by threatening Samson's new wife and his new father-in-law. And when Samson learns what they've done, he once again goes to this default of rage and he kills 30 of these men's friends. And he takes their garments to give to them for guessing the riddle. He leaves his wife behind and he returns home to his parents to go and lick his wounds. And, and in an attempt to reclaim his wife, he discovers that she has been given to another man. And so he goes back to default of rage and he takes more revenge. And so scripture tells us he ties torches to foxes' tails and he lets them loose in the fields and in the vineyards. And so the Philistines return the attack by killing Samson's wife and his father-in-law. And then with more rage, he viciously attacks and slaughters them all. I need to take my breath. <laughs> and that's only the introduction to Samson's life. The stories we thought we knew. I don't think we heard this version in Sunday school, did we? This is not the hero that we thought we knew. Samson's life sounds like a script from a Steven Spielberg movie. It is filled with everything you can imagine. So this morning, the scripture reading I share with you is found in Judges 16. And I just want to give you two glimpses of his life. Uh, Judges verses 1 to 5, and then I'll read uh, Judges 16, 25 to 31. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. And the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him. They waited all night at the city gate. And they made no move during the night saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. And then he got up and he took hold of the doors of the city gate. And together with the two posts, and he tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and he carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. And sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in that valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. 
the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. We now move to uh, verses 25 to 31. So while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on these Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. His right hand on the one, his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And when he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it, thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. And so we give thanks to God for these words today. Amen. The last two weeks while I've been on leave, I've been thinking a lot about Samson. And what kept coming up to me was when I was a kid, I used to really enjoy watching WWF wrestling on TV. Does anyone remember Hulk Hogan? He had that trade bar moustache, that handlebar moustache, and and I think the days before advertising of sponsorship, I'm sure he signed a deal with unlimited self-tan because he was the most self-tan guy in the whole of the WWF. But he was a good guy, one of the good guys of wrestling. And, and I don't know if it was just because I was a kid and naive or whether in that time the sport itself just seemed quite innocent. I don't remember... Uh, WWF or wrestling back then being what it is today. As I thought of those moments of sitting watching Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and all those guys, I thought that it was entertainment. But as time has evolved, that industry has added into it bad attitudes and violence and a whole lot of other stuff that makes it a bit like a, a muscular soap opera with a whole lot of hype. As I reflected on that and, and all the brute strength that was shown during that time as a kid of watching WWF, I had this image in my mind of Samson probably being that kind of guy. I think Samson enjoyed a whole lot of hype. And I think he would have fitted well into this entertainment industry we see today. Because he was a man of many great contrasts. You see, he was given an enormous physical strength. But he lacked maturity to go with it. 
He was a man that was born to be a special man of God. But he lived only for himself. When we read the book of Judges, we note that Samson was born to a previously barren woman. And his birth was to fulfill a a very special promise of God. You see, a Nazarite was one who was separated by others, by their consecration to God. And one of the marks, one of the signs of this consecration meant that he had to keep his long hair. And this long hair was none other than a symbol, a symbol that represented him having been set apart for God. It was his connection to God, and it was his secret that ensured his physical strength. But as a Nazarite, there was a lot to be desired. He was imperfect, to say the least. He broke almost every vow that he had with God. He gave in to every temptation in order to satisfy his cravings for violence and temper and woman. As I was preparing, one commentator speaks of his life like this. It says, Samson's life reads like the actions of an uncontrollable juvenile delinquent. Doesn't sound like the hero that we thought we knew. We remember that after foolishly giving away the secrets of his strength to Delilah, he was captured by his enemies. You see, Samson's life was filled with action and excitement, and it had all the things that we would watch on Netflix and Showmax today, violence and sex and revenge and rage. That's his life. But as we think of his life and the introduction I gave you, and we read the book of Judges, we are left with a sense of sadness, of disappointment over lost potential. Maybe even some frustration at the fact that here was someone who was set apart by God for a purpose, but instead he squandered it all. And he ended up becoming a victim of his own imperfections. And so friends, when we have a closer look at Samson, there's a couple of things that come to mind as we reflect on his story. And the glaring one is his imperfections. But I also thought of my life and my story, and perhaps you do the same this morning. We all have imperfections, and every one of us will come up short in one way or another. So even though you and I strive to be perfect people, the reality is that we're all far from being perfect. Let's just for a moment look at our own country, the political landscape of our country. We see how politicians cover up mistakes that they make, and and these mistakes always come back to haunt them. Sometimes they promise one thing and deliver another. 
Some of them seek power for power's sake, but they never have the interest of the people at heart. We see this in the business world. We read daily of executives or board members with their hands in the till and how rough corruption is and how it takes place daily. And as I think of these occurrences that happen around us all the time, it contrasts with the living of being someone or people who have been set apart by God for a purpose. You see, living life with humanity and humility and sincerity and integrity in this world is what being set apart looks like. And I think more often than not, all are capable, responsible, and think this way. But the reality is, is humans are human. Every one of us have imperfections weaknesses, and sin that gets in the way. And so as we think of the story that we thought we knew in Samson, it provides us with a reminder that there is only one person who is perfect. And it definitely wasn't Samson or Delilah. There is only one that we can lean on when we recognize our own limitations. There is only one who we can truly use as a measuring stick for our own lives. And just for a moment, I want to draw a comparison between Samson and the one who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. And so to begin, both Samson and Jesus are born miraculously, and they are both dedicated to do special work for God. Samson born human, Jesus born human and divine. Samson showed these outward signs of his dedication to God, with his hair being his strength as a symbol. And then Jesus, who wasn't really a physical as much as what he was spiritual, Jesus' signs were all inward, an inner strength, a peace a constant connection to God. Samson tempted and on many occasions gave in to the temptation that led to his downfall. And Jesus was also tempted, but he never gave in. He never stepped away from God's will. He never sinned. Samson's death brought about revenge as he took enemies with him. Jesus' death is all about forgiveness and how he took the sin of the world with him. Samson led as a judge for 20 years, but Jesus, the risen Lord, continues to lead the church for all of eternity. These parallels as we constantly look at this character Samson and the one who is perfect being Jesus. And as I've sat with these parallels for the last two weeks, and I've thought about Samson's life, and, and what can I learn from his life, I was left with a phrase, or possibly just two words. And the words are deceptive strength. These are the words that have stayed with me when I think of Samson. 
Because on the outside, Samson looks like he had everything together. He looked like he was a great leader. He looked like he was stepping up into his calling of being one who is set apart. But his appearance on the outside was deceiving. Because on the inside, he was weak and selfish and full of sin. And so when we draw all these contrasts between our lives and Samson's life, I realized a couple of things. I think sometimes, Quentin and maybe yourself, we deceive ourselves. We become so blinded by our own faults and we misuse our strengths and our gifting for the wrong reasons. And sometimes we live this way simply to win. To win in our relationships, to win at this thing called life. But sometimes in the winning, we may entrench the deception even more. And in the, in the end, we lose out. And we do this because we are imperfect. We need to seek the strength of God for our imperfections. You see, Samson relied on his outer ability. He relied on his strength, his brute force. But he had forgotten the key point. Was that his strength really, really was through his connection with God. That was the source of his strength. I think as I look at our world today, I think for many of us we rely too much on fake it till we make it. We fake it until we make it. I think Samson faked it, thinking that he would make it. Friends, this morning I want to encourage us. I want to encourage Northfield Methodist Church to recognize our imperfections and our need for the perfection of God. Can we recognize that God's direction not our own strength, but God's direction will always be helpful. It will be God that will guide us in the way that is most appropriate. And the result will always be according to God's will for us. Because His grace, grace is sufficient. See, when we follow in the ways of Samson, there are a couple of things that we'll experience. Following the way of Samson will bring frustration, it will bring disappointment, it will bring lost potential. But following the way of Jesus brings satisfaction of our deepest needs within us. I want to share a story with you that I read this week. It's a story of a speedboat racer that was going all out at top speed and his boat flipped and he sank. And as the boat sank, he was unable to free himself from the wreck until he was very deep in the water. He was disorientated from the crash. He tried to swim. He used all his strength that he had, but he wasn't going anywhere. And when he was exhausted, he 
his life jacket did the work that it was designed to do. And he realized that in his confusion, he had been swimming deeper, trying to go down instead of going up. Giving up on his own attempts to find his direction, he let his life jacket float and take him to the surface. I think we are often like the speedboat racer, so dependent on ourselves, depending on our own strength. Living life without God's guidance, we can end up swimming with everything that we have, only to find that we've been going the wrong way. But friends, God is pointing each one of us in a different direction. He's saying, stop deceiving yourself. He's the one that is speaking to the depths of our hearts, saying, your strength alone, your strength alone will never take you where you want to go. And so let me lead. Let my life jacket bring you to the surface of life. See, for Samson... His whole life was relying on his own strength. And as he tried to rely more on his strength, he sank deeper, moving further away from his identity as a Nazarite who had been set apart for God's purpose. Friends, in my life and your life, are we swimming upwards or downwards? Are we fighting the life jacket? Or are we letting go and let the life jacket do its work? I read in a commentary in preparation for today, it's the New Interpreter's Bible Commentary. And it offered an insight into Israel's response to Samson's demise. So the commentator says these words, Israel will, be, Israel will begin to come to the realization that his future and hope lies not in a particular institution of leadership, whether judges or kings, or even in its own strength or virtue. The, the future of God's people lies in trusting and worshiping the one God who is worthy of our trust. Powerful words for us to reflect on. And I wondered as I read those words, this cross, isn't that what this cross is all about? When life came crashing down for the disciples, it was the cross, the very symbol of death, that became the beacon in which God brought healing and salvation into this world. And so today I want each of us to hear that you have been set apart for a purpose. We all need to realize that. We have been set apart for a purpose. This church, Northfield Methodist Church, has been set apart for a purpose. But the question I ask is, whose example will we follow? Will we follow Samson or will we follow Jesus? Will it be deceptive strength or true strength? Will it be temporary results or eternal results? Because the way of Samson brings frustration and disappointment and lost potential. 
But choosing the way of Jesus brings satisfaction to the deepest longings of our hearts. So friends, my prayer is, may each one of us live as those who are set apart for a purpose. Trusting and worshipping the one God who has called us. Fixing our eyes on the cross no matter what happens in our world. And knowing that our Jesus has paid the price already. He has claimed victory already over suffering and hardship and doubts and insecurities and anxieties and broken hearts. Jesus has done it already. That's what he's asking us today, friends. May you and I be a people who trust and live in faith and not rely on our own strength like Samson did. All that got Samson was a temple that crushed down on top of him. Living a life in faith, he leads us to an eternity that is beyond our comprehension because Jesus has won already. Amen. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you know our hearts, you know our struggles, you know where we have weakness and where we overcompensate with strength. You know what's going on in our world, in our lives, you know what's going on in our church. And we pray that you would remind us, Jesus, to follow your way. Your way of forgiveness and compassion. Your way that leads to a future, to a bright tomorrow that we would not live lives like Samson did, where we choose destruction and rage as our daily response to the injustices in this world that we see. So Holy Spirit, will you go with us and lead us and guide us and remind us where our true strength is found. Will you help us to keep our eyes fixed on the cross, the symbol of hope, when all was lost, Jesus, you gave us a symbol to fix our eyes on. And so will you help us to notice how you appear in, in the difficult moments of our lives, leading us to go into your strength and not our strength. And so we pray this prayer in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.